If you're feeling overwhelmed or maybe a bit anxious, or maybe you're just too busy to know what exactly you're feeling, this episode is for you. We're talking about some practical steps you can take right now to be less anxious, to have a greater sense of presence and meaning in your day and less overwhelm. This is the Next Simple Step Podcast. I'm Paul Goldsmith, and Emily Hartman is here too. She's a former teacher, now content creator and host of the Sovereign Mother Podcast. Emily, you're all about helping people find joy and contentment and live their values. And your work revolves around the concept of personal agency. Tell us more about that. What exactly do you mean by personal agency? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for asking. So to me, personal agency is kind of this inner emotional feeling that we have that we believe in our capabilities to be present in our own life. So we believe that we are able to take action in our lives or that we have a significant, if not the most significant influence in our own life. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I think everybody on the surface maybe believes that, but it's not that simple because life is overwhelming. We, we've got constant demands on our time. You're a mother, you know, your kids have needs, you're married, your husband has expectations, the world, you have bills to pay. How do you escape like that general sense of there's so much to do, so little time and feeling of a lack of control? Do you mind if I kind of give a little background as to why agency was standing out in my life? I think that would be wonderful. I think I started delving into this topic a little more in the pandemic era or post-pandemic era. I just started noticing that I myself, as well as my peers, my friends, my family, were feeling really pulled in so many different directions. During that time, we had a lot of social unrest and we had like the threat of a potential like biological disease or, you know, like whatever, whatever your view on everything was, there were so many different pieces that were pulling our attention, trying to direct where we put our attention. And so that just got me thinking about how we start to believe that we can pull our own attention instead of handing off our responsibilities, handing off the way that we're able to act in our own life, instead of handing that off to other people, other entities, because they'll always be there asking for your attention. How can we come back to that inner self? the person who truly matters, your spiritual self, and draw our attention from that point, if that makes sense. Well, it does. So how do you do that? I actually try to work through a couple different pillars. Specifically, I look through four, I guess, access points that help me feel like I am developing my sense of agency. They help me feel in control, in a sense. Control isn't totally the best word, but they help me feel like I'm acting through agency. One of those things would be physical movement and nutrition, you know, taking care of my body so that I am ready to go in a sense that I feel healthy, that I'm able to move, that I'm able to nourish my body in the best way that allows me to feel good and proud of myself and available to move forward. Another one would be a focus on staying open with a learner mindset. So I think especially within these last few years, we've all had to kind of question, you know, some of us have had to question our jobs. We've had to learn new skill sets because we got 
sent home. And then post-pandemic, how do we re-enter the workforce? Some of us changed careers. Some of us dropped a career. Some of us went back with just a new insight. I think that staying open and willing to learn and having that open mindset, forever learner mindset, allows us to feel like we can act through agency. Because if we don't think that we can learn anything new, then how are we going to move forward in our lives? If we think that we are stuck in a still mindset, then how do we believe, how do we teach ourselves that we can handle any issues that come our way? I want to ask a question because sure, that sounds good that I can handle anything, but some things, frankly, I can't handle, right? If something happened to one of your children or there's some horrible things that happen. And so to just say, well, I can handle anything. Unpack that a little bit. What do you mean by that? I think it's really important to distinguish the events in your life that happen that are within your area of control and recognizing the things that are out of your control and trying to make peace with them in a certain way, which is way easier said than done. But for example, if we go back to pandemic, it's just the best, it's just the best example. Sure. <laughs> there were things that you could not do like for a time, like you could not go into a restaurant. I was pregnant during the pandemic. I couldn't go to my doctor's appointments. Like we had virtual doctor's appointments because they had shut down medical facilities in my city. So there were definitely things that were outside of my control. But the thing about that that was inside of my control was the way that I reacted to those situations, right? So personal agency is kind of about how you react to the events that happen in your life, to the things that you hear, to the things that people tell you in your life. So if I were to react to that with this extreme level of anxiety and negativity, then that part is on me. The fact that my husband couldn't go to like my one sonogram that I was able to have during pregnancy, there's nothing I could do about that. But I could control the way that I reacted and the way that that situation impacted my own mindset. Absolutely. I've noticed kids are pretty resilient as a parent myself. And I've noticed when we're in stressful situations, maybe the airport or a busy restaurant or a busy store, the kids are feeding off the parents' energy. So if the parents are super anxious and disturbed, that elevates the kids' sense of anxiety as well. And so I think this is not only something that we do for ourselves, but it's a model for those around us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious if you're familiar with acceptance and commitment therapy, because I find this fascinating. I I was just reading a book by the founder of that method of therapy, and his name is Dr. Stephen Hayes. Are you familiar with this? I'm not. No, I haven't. Enlightened. No, it, it, everything you're talking about is in alignment. It's, it's about psychological flexibility. And because what Dr. Hayes points out is that we are taught to be problem solvers in life. It serves us well at an early age to solve problems, but then we start viewing our whole life as problems to be solved. And then, so what we gain in environmental control, we lack for peace of mind because our mind is always gravitating toward the next problem, the things we have to solve. And so what he points out in acceptance and commitment therapy is you kind of have to accept the situation and live your values. And first of all, you have to determine what your values are, make a commitment to those and 
I'm as guilty as anybody of this. I love a good goal because it's motivating and I love accomplishing goals. But he said the challenge with that goals are always in the future until they're achieved and then they're quickly in the past. But values are always in the now. You live your values moment by moment. And so I think that is exactly what you're saying here. Figure out what your values are and decide how you want to be in the world. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I do think that values play an extremely significant role in the way that you interpret your life, the way that you make decisions, I think completely should come back to your values. And I think that that is a little bit of the purpose for my work. As a mother, I'm seeing moms in my community or moms on social media just being so lost and confused on how to raise their child or what appointments to make their child is going to school or homeschooling the right thing for them. And I think that confusion is coming from all the different voices that we've talked about. But if you are able to identify what your values are, you know, those core driving features of your life, then you can decide a little bit easier based on what you believe if school is right or not for your kid, if this type of therapy is right or not for your kid, if this kind of doctor's appointment is right or not for your kid. You know what I mean? When you have kind of that filter of values to look through, then I feel that your decisions are a lot more empowered from your like true inner belief. Absolutely. And I think that too often it's like we want somebody else to make the decision for us. And ultimately it's like those books that I read as a kid, maybe you did too, the choose your own adventure <laughs> books and uh, oh, yeah, the twists and turns, like you ultimately get to decide. And that means the flip side of that is you have to take responsibility because you sometimes might not make the optimal choice. And that's scary. But I think what I love about this acceptance and commitment therapy is the fact that in your pain, you find your values and in your avoidance, you find your values disconnection. And as a Enneagram three, or I use this print survey, it's, it's very similar that we use in coaching to figure out what your innate natural inclination. I'm a eight three, which basically means I really long to be strong and powerful and succeed, but that's all in my head <laughs> and really struggle on the, you know, feeling pain. So that problem solving part of my brain avoids pain as quickly as possible. But that also keeps me away from connection because as it says in Dr. Hayes's book, A Liberated Mind, he says, pain and purpose are two sides of the same thing. A person struggling with depression is very like a person yearning to feel fully. A socially anxious person is very likely a person yearning to connect with others. You hurt where you care and you care where you're hurt. So when you talk about the personal agency, it really means you don't just avoid the pain. You accept that that comes with the territory of making decisions. Sometimes you're going to make the wrong decisions. Sometimes people are not going to like your decisions. And that comes with the associated pain, but that's the flip side of if you want to live with purpose, you have to make that decision. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. I think that aligns, that aligns really well. So when you are talking to people, what is the resistance you get from, well, that, you know, that sounds nice, but I don't even know how to 
take the first step. And this is the next simple step podcast. So like what's one next step somebody can take to really reclaim their sense of agency? Yeah, your podcast title. I actually have a little bit of a series on my Instagram that is called Developing Agency, like one tiny step, just to try to engage people with their own activities. Like what can they do to kind of feel that more developed sense? But I think one of the biggest things that we can do for ourselves is to get a win or like find a win. And by that, I mean, do something. It can be like the tiniest thing. It can be telling yourself that you're going to take a two mile walk today and then doing that two mile walk. It can be telling yourself that you're going to read this book and you read the book and you finish the book. But one thing I think you can do is look for a win, like look for something that you have decided that you can do that you're capable of, do it. And then you can kind of backlog that into belief in yourself and the belief that you are capable of making the best decisions for your kids, that you are capable of nourishing your family with the best food that you're able to provide or the information that you're able to digest. It does. And I think that it also makes for an easier life rather than going around judging other people, go around with the default position that people are making the best decision with the information they have and the abilities they have at the time, right? And that may be a decision different than you, but you don't need to take agency of their life. <laughs> it's self-agency. <laughs> and it lets you just be freer when you don't have to go around judging everybody. Yeah. And I think it comes back to your conversation on value. Whenever you go through an exercise and identify your own values, it becomes really clear that those are your personal values. And it becomes really clear that your values are very potentially like totally different than mine. And so if I'm acting out of my values, then that means you're acting out of your values. So we can't judge each other's actions that way. It kind of takes that judgment piece away when you're able to recognize I'm making the best decisions for me and my family. He's making the best decisions for him and his family. Yeah. And I think too many people, and I've been included in that. I'm a person that definitely can feel offended when somebody challenges my values, right? And we see this in the political arena and it seems like everything's political. Now you mentioned the pandemic that had very heated opinions about whether you should get vaccinated or your children. And people were questioning others' humanity, just the most vile things because somebody disagreed with them on that issue. And so I think that is a great example of my goodness, like, don't be threatened by everyone else. Absolutely, for sure. So what do you think is really holding folks back from taking agency? It does seem it's a lot easier to criticize others than to really kind of own your own life. But it's so freeing at the same time. What do you think holds people back the most? I think that people are really held back by the tendency that we have been allowed to hand over our decisions to outside entities. And I really don't mean for this to sound political in any way. It doesn't matter if you vote, if you don't vote, if you know what political party. But I think that for a lot of us, we have relied on the government, for example, or government entities, or your school system. We've relied on these outside entities to make decisions for us for so long. And maybe sometimes those are good decisions. Maybe in the past, they've been good decisions. 
But I think that we've become so used to that, that we've kind of lost the muscle. When I was a teacher, we did a whole campus study on growth mindset. If you've read the work of Carol Dweck. Yes. Um, so growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And it's almost like when we enter our school system, we've kind of been taught one way to learn. We've been taught that there is a power above us that knows best, that it is best to just listen to the recommendations that we're receiving. And in her work, she talks about growth versus fixed mindset. And in the school setting, we tried to remove ourselves from the fixed mindset and teach our students to go at problems in a different way or to search a different answer than they had been given time and time again. And I think that just speaks to our larger culture that whether or not the answers we're getting are right or wrong, that doesn't matter. It's just the sense that we've kind of been taught to be given answers instead of being creative and working a way around and finding them ourselves. I love that. That warms my heart that a teacher <laughs> was thinking about that and other teachers are. I don't mean to offend teachers. They're awesome. Many amazing teachers. But the school system itself is not exactly a growth mindset factory because it's like we study for the test <laughs> and we got to memorize facts. And as I tell my kids, like in the age of AI and Google, like you don't need to memorize anything. You just need to know how to think and be curious and figure stuff out, right? And ask good questions. That's the goal, not just to memorize facts because anybody can look up the facts. Right. And as a teacher, I was definitely stuck in that dichotomy a little bit. I had the privilege to teach AP classes. It stands for advanced placement. You take an exam at the end of the year, though, in, in order to determine whether you have potential college credit, depending on the university of choice. So it was wonderful in that I had a little bit of freedom to teach an advanced curriculum. At the same time, my goal was to get my students to pass the test at the end of the year so that they could have something to show for all that hard work that they put in through the year. So yeah, it's definitely a challenge when you want to think creatively, you want to teach how to think outside the box, and at the same time, prepare your kids to succeed in that task that has been set before them. Yes. And I heard you mention it a couple of times. You mentioned when you're feeling overwhelmed or stuck, get moving. And that's great advice. I think one thing that we kind of take for granted, we were never meant to lead these sedentary lifestyles. So that's another thing about school. Like, I don't know why they do a way of PE. Like the younger kids still go out for recess, but once you hit middle school, you're kind of stuck at a desk all day, which is kind of terrible mm -hmm. for learning and creativity. Like we need to break that, but adults too, get up and move. And you mentioned getting a quick win just to build your agency. I can't think of anything better than getting up and moving at whatever capability you're at, whether that's going for a walk, a run, weightlifting, that's been really transformational in my life. So I can't recommend it highly enough. What do you think about that as far as the mind-body connection? Because we really can really get stuck in our heads, but you physically get moving. It, it helps shake things up. It helps you think differently. Right. Like even if you can just go to a different room or just sit on your back porch instead of inside or sit on the balcony or whatever it is, moving your physical location changes your environment. So that obviously has an opportunity to change the process that your brain is going through. When you move, your blood, your 
physical blood starts to move differently at a different pace through your body. I think that just getting outside is one of the best things you can do. Obviously, if you can go for a walk, if you can stick your bare feet in the ground, if you can just sit in the sun, we are so blocked from the sun, which is our life giver, right? The sun gives life to our planet. And when you're blocked from that all day, you're blocking out any potential that you have to reap those benefits from our life giver, right? Even if it's cloudy, even if it's cold outside, the sun's rays, the sun's (laughs) nutrients are still able to get to you. So if you can go outside and sit, if you can go outside and walk or do a workout or, you know, whatever it is, just take a breath outside. I think that that has some profound impact on your mental health. Well, and that's scientifically proven. I'm a big fan of Dr. Andrew Huberman and his podcast, The Huberman Lab. And he's very well known for telling people to get outside first thing in the morning and get early sunlight into your pupils. It just helps set your circadian rhythm and it's so good for you. But on his most recent podcast, he was talking with another doctor and they mentioned the importance for kids that it changes everything. Kids that don't get enough sun exposure are much more likely to be nearsighted, literally nearsighted. And so you're absolutely right. The the benefits are just profound. And I never knew this until, you know, the last couple of years, information is power if you use it and really it's available there. And so definitely getting outside helps. And they say, if you're feeling stuck mentally, creatively, just going out and looking at the horizon, it literally opens up your mindset because it it just, it's amazing. It's natural. I don't understand it. It just works. Yeah. It almost like just gives your brain like a challenge and a rest at the same time. It's like, look at when you can look at the ocean and stare at it or a mountain or yeah, the horizon, as you said, it's, yeah, it's rejuvenating. What's another thing, because you mentioned movement that you do to really help folks express their own agency to have more agency. So I know you had more. Yeah, so I think, you know, that it's tied in a bit to what we've been talking about, but this idea of intentional association, association being what you spend your time with or who you spend your time with, we've all heard the phrase over and over again that you're an amalgamation of the five people that you spend most of your time with, right? If you're surrounded by negative people, it's going to be really hard. It's going to require a lot of extra work for you to have a positive mindset. But I think this kind of association, it, it goes the same way. It's about the people you're spending time with, but also the media that you're using and just your physical proximity to elements that you're spending time with. So if you're constantly checking your email or you're watching the news or if your social media feed is like a riot, like if there's constant debate going on in your social media feed and you're constantly seeing that, then what you're associating with is going to have an impact on you. So the goal is to be intentional about your association. I still have social media. I still hang out with my family, which I have a, I am blessed to have an incredible family. We don't always see eye to eye. I still hang out with them, even if we're not totally cohesive in that moment, but I'm intentional about it. So I make sure to prep myself for like, all right, we're going into this situation I might not agree totally with what this person is saying, or we might not be totally vibing together all the time. But if I'm intentional about that time we're spending together, I can kind of prep myself to maintain my own 
mindset or if I'm going to get on Instagram, I need to be intentional about, all right, I'm making a post for educational purposes. Maybe I'll look at some other people's accounts that I know that inspire me and that spark joy in me, but I have to shut it off real quick, right? Like I have to realize after five minutes or, you know, however long you're spending on social media, you need to get off so that you don't get negatively impacted by that time that you're spending. Oh, it's designed to suck you in. And so I've learned the feature on Instagram, which I love, has a timer. And so after so many minutes, you set it for scrolling, it'll ask you to take a break. Now they make it really easy for you to click off of that and go back in, but at least I'm being intentional about, okay, after 15 minutes, please tell me to get off this thing because otherwise my brain will just fall down the wormhole and just keep scrolling because they know exactly what will suck me in based on the algorithm. And those are dangerous. And I know parenting kind of is the best lesson because it's like, I don't let my kids scroll endlessly for hours. I need to parent myself too, which I think is exactly what you're talking about when you talk about personal agency. So with that, controlling your environment, certainly you can't control every environment all the time, particularly online. What do you do when you are triggered by someone? You mentioned family. Not everybody's blessed with family that gets along. You know, as you plan ahead for holiday get-togethers or whatever, like, yeah, how do you maintain your sense of agency and not dive in head first and get caught up and triggered? I absolutely think that there is a space for you to speak up for yourself or to speak up for your kids on behalf of your kids. I also think that a lot of times when we react out of a high surge of emotion, it doesn't always, it's not the best environment for learning or moving forward. So when I feel triggered by something, I usually kind of categorize that. Like I will literally have like a, in my notes on my phone, I have like a list to just write out things that happened that day that I want to go like check back. Like if I hear a quote or I want to make sure I go back and listen to this podcast or whatever. But if something triggers me, I might make a note of that in my phone and then go back during my like morning journaling time and kind of sit with, what was that? Like, why did I feel that way? Was it the words that someone said? Were they really actually hurtful? Or is there something inside of me that is a little bit insecure on that topic? And that person just kind of nudged that insecurity. I think that's where openness and learning really comes into play, because if you're open to kind of checking out what is going on inside, it's a lot easier to let it go, to move past it, right? So if we're triggered, I think it's very important to give it the space that it needs, feel your emotions and kind of work through them, pay attention to them so that you can move past them. I love that. And that's why with my coaching clients, I use the print survey because it helps you determine your unconscious motivators. And there's kind of a light and dark to everyone, right? Everybody has the capacity for goodness and everybody has the capacity for evil. Agency comes in, you get to choose. But sometimes when we're triggered, we're much more likely to choose the good. And so if you identify, as you're saying, you want to explore what your deepest values are, the kind of person you want to be and you plan ahead so that you're much more likely to respond in a way that aligns with your values and knowing what your triggers are. Sometimes you just need to avoid certain people or situations or set a timer or just come prepared to walk away, whatever the case may be. But if you're continually frustrated, that is something worth exploring. You mentioned journaling. 
I never thought of myself as a journaler, but I love the concept of morning pages I got from Julia Cameron's Artist Way. And so every morning is just writing down, processing all the thoughts that kind of go through my mind about what happened the day before and what are my hopes and my fears and just what am I feeling? Kind of get all that out of my head, out of my body, onto a piece of paper. And it it makes it less scary. It just makes it more like, okay, this is doable. Like I can get through today and it's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel angry. It's just, what are you going to do with that anger? There's certainly plenty that happens that the proper response is to get angry. It's just, what are you going to do with that emotion? And maybe that causes you to do work for good. Emily, I could talk to you for hours. This is fantastic. And so I would encourage those that are interested in this line of work in personal agency to follow Emily on her Instagram. It's Emily L. Hartman or check out your podcast, Sovereign Mother on Substack and Apple Podcast. Emily, thanks so much for being on the next Simple Step podcast today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. 